0: Good morning, church family. How are you? Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm Nathan Price. I serve as the pastor of families here at First Baptist Cordelia. We're grateful you're here. And If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to fill out that Get Connected card right there in front of you, just so we can have a record of your visit and get you plugged in somewhere. Hopefully here, but somewhere throughout here. And I'm grateful today. I hope you got an outline inside your worship guide as you came in. And uh, today we're going to be in Psalm 121, Psalm 121, if you have a Bible, it's going to be towards the middle, Psalm 121, it should also be on the screen behind me, but we're going to be preaching off the outline, it helps me follow along, helps you follow along, take some notes there as we work through this text. But again, let's Psalm 121, if you got it, say I got it. All right, let's work through this together. Says this, a song of the saints. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, but he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil, he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out. And you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Pray with me. Dear God, we pray we make much of you today through our Bible study. We already sung songs about you. We've had a Sunday school lesson about you. And now we're going to corporately gather together and work through this text, God. Speak through your word. I pray this in your name. Amen. So there's a group that estimated that there was, in 2012, that there was an explosion in the self-help industry. You guys have probably read some pretty good self-help books. I've read some. Stephen Covey's an author that I think is a pretty good, along some pretty good things, Stephen Covey. Or Simon Sinek is another guy through leadership. But they were 17.6 million sales of self-help books from 2013 through 2019, an increase of almost 11%. An estimated 6 million copies are produced each year, and as to this date, eighty-five thousand two hundred and fifty-three titles exist. Exist now compared to just thirty thousand eight hundred ninety-seven during this five-year period. And according to Pod News, which tracks all podcasts through all platforms, they were five fifty-four thousand eight hundred and forty-four about self-improvement, which was second only the society and cultural podcast. And we could probably think about songs that we know that has help in the title. One of the most famous Beatle albums was called Help, right? And their self-titled song there, Help, says what? Help me if you can, I'm feeling down. And I do appreciate you being around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me, right? Or verse 2 there in that same song. And now my life has changed in oh so many ways. My independence seems to vanish in the haze. But every now and then I feel so insecure. I know that I just need you like I've never done before. So that's a few things about help, right? We know we all need help, and help comes from somewhere. And that's what this psalmist is getting at right here. If you look at the title most probably your Bible, it says what? My help comes from the Lord. And the title that I gave it is my helper. So let's learn more about this helper and this psalmist that writes this down. So this is a psalm of a sense as it also was sung by the Old Testament worshipers as they made their journey through the mountains to the Jerusalem temple to worship. It happened about three times a year. So, it's also called a traveler psalm because as they traveled they would recite this psalm and sing it to themselves. And what's what's interesting is this is a continuation of the psalm right before this, Psalm 120. It runs right into Psalm 121. But as you can read here, he's crying out. He's crying out in Psalm 120 and he's you know, they repeat this as they go, right, as you travel. And James Montgomery Boy said his commentary on this psalm that this was a dear chapter to him because his mother always gathered the family together and read it before they left on trips or before the children in the family home left. The great missionary explorer David Livingston read this psalm and worshiped throughout his time before he went to Africa. And while he was in Africa, his mother-in-law prayed over him and wrote many letters as the time he was gone. So let's dive here into this Psalm of Ascent or Traveler Psalm. There are eight verses here. And the first two set themselves apart from the rest. So it all flows from the first point we have on your outline there. And the first point is, the Lord is my helper. And we know we're always looking for help in some ways. We need help with our, what, finances maybe? Our health? Other things, right? The psalmist is saying a lot in one verse, but then he starts thinking of who God is in light of who he is. I think he humbles himself. Once he's, I see, after he makes the accusation or the question, he humbles himself on why he's afraid. Let's look into that. I think it's something we all can relate to in life. It's the same thing is happening here in this world of ours. What does he do? He says, it says what? I lift my eyes to the hills. So he lifts his eyes to the hills. Why? Because what? From where does my help come? He's crying out here, right? The psalmist sees himself starting his journey. If you ever started a journey somewhere, it seems pretty bleak at times, especially if you ever trekked in the mountains, right? Mountains are kind of dangerous, aren't they? <laughs> you could slip and fall even driving up mountains can be bad. It makes me think about something I said something about it in Sunday school this morning I, I, when I went to Honduras on a mission trip, I got to drive on some of the roads in the mountains of Honduras. And I've driven on some pretty roads from growing up going. Back in the day, through mud holes and things like that, but this is a little bit different take because truly, life's over here and death's over here. I mean, death, that goes down for never finds you. In the truck I'm driving, the windshield wipers don't work and it's raining, right? We're going wherever we go. I think we're going to La Hortensia, which is way up in the mountains. You can see like Guatemala in the distance. It's way high. And I'm driving, the windshield wipers aren't working. So one of my students is literally wiping the windshield as we go from the outside. And four-wheel drive, of course, and a Mazda diesel truck. That's what he's thinking about. You think about these things, I understand that truly we got about this much space, right? That's what the psalmist is thinking. He sees himself starting his journey, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you're starting this journey of faith. He looks and he sees the rise, and he sees those distant hills, he sees these mountains. And these trails are hard. Maybe they've fallen and slipped on this journey before. But also on these trails. You have to take everything with you as you go to Jerusalem, right? And on these trails, uh, thieves wait for you. Just like the Good Samaritan that Jesus talks about in his parables, right? This path is steeping uphill, and maybe this traveler is older. Or think about a parent carrying a kid. I've been to, I've carried, had to carry, I'm always carrying a kid somewhere, it seems, but I'm okay with that, right? But it's a challenge at times, right? He's definitely worried about these challenges. He knows adversity is going to come, and we will come in life. That's what life's about. And in this life is definitely a pilgrimage, isn't it? We see danger and difficulty along the way, and we try to navigate through that. It's just going to be there, right? Tim Keller says this, In a search for help, the psalmist looks to the mountains, which could be either a place to hide or a lair for enemies. But the mountains are nothing as a threat or help compared with the help of the Lord, the one who made the mountains. How do we know this? It makes me think about my daughter, Caroline. When she needs help, she says, Daddy, help. If she knows your name, she'll say it. Why? Because she knows that I'm going to help her, right? That's the same way we should cry out to God. We need help. Father God, help. And guess what? He's going to help. But guess what? It might not be in the way you want it to be, but he's going to help you. He always is. Hebrews 13 tells us what? So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do? do to me that's where we should always lie folks lie right there the next thing under outline there he can be trusted to be a reliable helper or refuge he can be trusted to be a reliable helper or refuge just because of what we just read right? and next point there he is creator he is creator you can look back there He even says, my help comes from a Lord who, what, made heaven and earth. Psalmist is starting to get it again, right? He knows he made those mountains. He made those streams, right? He created it all. He knows there will be difficulties. But again, he didn't create the difficulties, did he? He put us in a perfect world, in a perfect situation, and sin came, right? It was perfect. He didn't create them, but guess what he does? He's able to overcome them, right? And the psalmist, again, here starts thinking deeply about where the help comes from. The writer here affirms that God created things that fulfill all his needs, even when trials may come. Again, he's not looking to the mountains, he's looking to the Creator. He sees beyond the big mountains. It's pretty neat to stare out mountains and look at God's majesty that he's created for us, right? But here he's looking past the mountains at the Creator. How many times do we get blinded by the things in our path and of looking at truly who the Creator is. I can find it in my own life for sure. Right? I mean, we just forget about what the Creator do and we try to find help elsewhere. We just talked about that, right? That's why it's such a prevalent thing. Everybody's looking for help everywhere. But remember, God created a perfect world, and one day it will be perfect again. He promises us this. He created us away, didn't He, by sending His own Son as a sacrifice for sins. So let's stay focused on our Creator and actually call upon the name of the Lord like the psalmist does here. The Creator is always there. He's always there. And Psalm 136, verses 4-9 through tells us this. You've probably heard this before. I think it fits very well here. It says this. To Him who alone does great wonders for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who by understanding made the heavens is for His steadfast love endures forever to him who spread the earth out above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. So his steadfast love endures forever. For you, for his creation, Right? So our creator here is what? To sustain us. Let's look at the next point there. He is sustainer. He is sustainer. How do we know this? If you Look at the text there. Verses 3 and 4. It says what? He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He doesn't even like to slip. Even on a mountainous terrain, he doesn't even let you slip. You know how mountain it's easy to slip on a mountainous terrain, isn't it? How does he know this? Because he knows the temptations we face. And how easy we can fall into sin or be discouraged. We also should remember he is with us and he has promised to sustain us with his presence and his power. Both his presence and his power. He won't even let you slip down a mountain, but he sustains you and he is always sustaining you. Remember back through the trek through the mountains. A false step can leave you slipping to a gorge, can it? I don't know about lots of you, but you probably have been to Providence Canyon. I first went to Providence Canyon pretty naively. I had no idea. It was as neat as it was. Honestly, I thought it was going to be a small hole in the ground. I was totally wrong about that. Uh, but there's some canyon walls there. and we, we, we took my whole family. My boys. And guess what? I didn't know it was going to be as muddy as it was either. It was very muddy and wet. But we had a ball there. We, we climbed up down these canyon walls until we just couldn't anymore, right? And he, and he actually sustained us as we climbed back out too because, you know, the climb in is pretty easy, but the climb out, you guys know this bend, it's, it's windy. And guess what I had? A kid on my shoulders sometimes and pulling one too. And guess what? That's, that's kind of what it looks like when God sustains us. He pulls us along the way, and he carries us sometimes. Why? Because it's easy to slip and fall. But he sustains us and carries us out of canyons, and canyons in our life as well. And This is the picture of life. Sometimes we're climbing hills, which sometimes become mountains. And there are uphill journeys with all kinds of things in life. Like right now, maybe finances, inflation is just... Out of control, it seems. Sometimes it's our jobs. Sometimes it's our kids. But sometimes we're on the downhill, too, and it seems much easier. But on this trek for life, he sustains you, even when you slip and slide and stumble. God's there. He's aware. and He sustains his children. Why? Because he's not about living on the edge, even though you might be. He sustains you and keeps you to send you back out. Hebrews Hebrews thirteen five says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he sustains us no matter what was going on. It makes me think about again going to a third world country. I've talked about this, some of my students, many of them that went on a mission trip to Bolivia. It's pretty amazing if you leave our country and go to a different country and see how the world survives and sustains on things. And it's very humbling I would say how the rest of the world does things and guess what they do? They're sustained and they're joyful about it. Because here's the thing, there will be times that we'll feel like giving up and giving in. But we need to realize that He has lifted us out of the miry clay of this world and set our feet upon the solid rock. His power and His glory has established our goings. We are constantly being reinforced and helped steady by the mighty hand of God. Because just because he builds something, he also builds a fortress to sustain it as well. Look at verse 4. For his people, what, Israel? You're talking about somebody who's been sustained throughout their whole life and how they disobeyed God's commands. And God always sustains them. He watches over his people, our days or not, he sustains them. He's always on the lookout. There's the old famous story about a woman who was too worried one night to sleep. She had a great problem and it was keeping her awake. And finally she opened her Bible in the wee hours and it fell upon Psalm 121. Having read it, she closed her Bible and said, Well, Lord, if you're going to stay awake, I'm going to bed. There's no need for both of us staying up. How many times have we both we fall into the same thing, right? We just forget about who is sustaining us. It's just not anybody, it's the creator of the world, right? He is sustaining us. He is our always help. Because what does Romans 8 tell us in verse 31? What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I think that's very well what the psalmist could be saying here. Alexander the Great was asked how he could could sleep so soundly at night surrounded by all this death and danger. He replied that Paramino, his faithful guard, was always standing there guarding him through the night. And isn't it wonderful to know that we have a faithful sustainer and guard that is always watching out for us and faithfully guarding our own lives. I think Psalm 40 sums up this point well. It says this, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to, to me and heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So let me urge you, if you've never put your trust in the Lord, do it today. It just says right there, what's He do? He draws you out of the pit of destruction. He don't want you there. right? God's designed a way for you to get to Him and that's how? By repenting of your sin, turning away from sin and turning towards Christ. Nothing... And guess what? That's where your help comes from. I urge you to do it today. Why? Because He sets you up to go and serve Him. What's He do? It says it. Well, He sets His feet upon the rock making His steps secure. He is the rock. You don't have to trust in your own steps. You can trust in His steps. So repent your sin and trust in Him today. Let's look at the next point there. He is creator, he is sustainer, and he is provider. Because what? the sun, Verse 6 there, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor by the moon by night. What did he do with the world? He created it, didn't he? But he also created the world to provide for us. Right? For his people. He's always provided for his people. And there are many things that make providing difficult, like the cost of things currently, right? Sometimes it's difficult to provide, but by his help, we're still able to do that. Just like think about Abraham, what did he do for Abraham? He provided a lamb so he didn't have to sacrifice his own son Isaac. He also provided a lamb for us in the the name of Jesus, right? The psalmist here is realizing that even the muck and the mire that God has been providing along the way, and He continues to do so until we're with Him in paradise. That's the encouragement for Christians. He's always there providing, even though you might get stuck with the mountain that you see. He's there providing a way. To go over the mountain, around the mountain, or destroy the mountain. That's what he's about, right? He provides for his people. So, what about you? What's something in your life that we may need God to provide? Are you really truly praying like he's going to provide it? Do you really truly believe that he's going to sustain it? He will provide it, but it might not be in the way you want or ask. And you have to be okay with that because it's God. Right? Look at the verses there. He provided what the sun, that what does the sun do? It helps the Earth sustain itself, but also he cools it off at night so it can sustain itself as well. God has provided everything we could possibly need to help us on this Earth. He's also created, He's going to create a new one when he comes back, right It's going to be perfect again. Right? He supplies all our needs because he is that provider. Philippians 4.19 tells us, and my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Right? We have seen these things. The text is pretty clear here, right? The psalmist is starting to get it, I think. He's starting to be aware of who he is in light of who Christ is. Because what have we seen? That God is what? Our help. He's what? Our creator. He's our sustainer and provider. But now let's look at the last point there. He is protector. God is He is protector. We're going to hop back up to verse five there because it fits into this a lot better. What's it say there? Verse five. The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. No, I didn't leave it out. It's there, right? He is the keeper and shade on your right hand. The Lord tells us he is shade, right? Why why does why does the psalmist use these words? And here's here's why. It makes more sense once you understand the concept of why. Because in these times, warriors would have a shield in their left hand and a sword in their right hand when they went to battle. If your sword's in your right hand, your shield's in your left hand, you could be, what, attack could come from the right. So the right side was what? Vulnerable to attack. So no shield, because no shield was on that side. right? And the psalmist is telling us that God, this, He'll do it for us as well. We'll take up a strategic defensive position to protect us where we're most vulnerable. Most of the time we don't see God as that. We just, you know. He takes a position so you, you, you won't fall into sin and to protect you from the world that's always out there to, after you. So what do you know about shade? I know about this about shade. Shade's always there, isn't it? I can see shades as I move my hands up here in front of this pulpit from these lights right here. Right, Shade's always there. guess what? God's the same way. He's always protecting us. It's always been there, even though you can't see it or recognize it. We never know. Sometimes we don't know where attacks will come from. But unfortunately, we find ourselves attacking areas where we are weak. Why is that? I think it's because our enemy knows our weaknesses. And attacks us there. But sometimes the enemy attacks us in areas where we are strongest as well. Elijah. Was what known for his great courage, but what did he do? He fled from the woman Jezebel, didn't he? Moses' great strength was his meekness, yet in anger. A couple of times he was forbidden forbidden for entering the land, right? Or Abraham's greatest strength was his faith in the Lord, faithful Abraham, yet he went to Egypt in what pure unbelief. So what does that mean? Just like them, we will be attacked sometimes we never know where the attack will come from. But guess what? It never catches God off guard. He is always ready to protect us from our enemies. So look at the text again. What's it say there? The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. He doesn't say some evil. He says all evil. The Lord will keep your life. Right? So why does evil come? Most of the time because we allow it. Because we are our own worst enemies. Our minds and our bodies are fragile things and we should try to define our existence in light of who God is. We, try to, we read all the self-help books and some of those might help for a short time. But I can promise you long term it will not be the most helpful. Because usually if we help ourselves it leads to sin and that's the, ultimately the, one of the things he wants to protect us most from is sin. Because what does sin do? It destroys our relationship with who God is. What do we do? We look at outside sources. That's why we have all these self help books are just going rampant, publishing, podcast. What we need to worry about is the Lord is protecting and keeping you. And the best thing for each and every one of us is that, right? How often we don't think he is protecting us when he actually is. Here's some practical ways he's protected me in my almost 40 years on earth. And I can say he, he definitely protected me. I once fell 25 feet, cut a backflip out of a deer stand and very, very easily could have been paralyzed and lost my life. But somehow I fell perfectly. We had a pretty serious car accident just last year when I pulled out in front of someone and they T-boned us right in the side. And just this week, I got choked at lunch with a friend. Luckily I was able to cough it up, but that's something I, 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 you can remember those moments in life. I can remember last time I got choked. You know, I mean, you remember these moments when God truly protected you. But guess what? He's always protecting you. Right? There's are practical ways he's protecting me, right? But the whole idea is this, borrowed this from a pastor. We can see these practical areas, but we're subject to a thing. <clears throat> Excuse me, the whole idea is this while we are subject to think, subject to attack in our lives, we are also subject to attack in our bodies and in our minds. However, just as God will guard us against the attack of the enemy from the outside, he will protect us from the attack on the inside as well. When the heat is on, and he will be there to shield us and guard us. When our minds are under attack and filled with fears and doubts, he will be there to protect us and give us peace. You guys have heard the term, there's no atheist in foxholes when people are shooting at you. This kind of rings true here. What does it say? Psalm 18.2 tells us, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So no matter, like verse 8 says, regardless of how life takes us and how we respond, He protects us. So what does it say verse 8? The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever guess what? Life takes us different ways and how we respond when He takes us because sometimes we're coming in and we feel secure in life. Things are going well. God's got my back. Right? I hear people say that. Not today Satan right? You, see, you hear these terms but other times guess what? We're going out and we don't feel that secure in Him but the good thing is for either way He is faithful to protect us and keep us forevermore. The text tells us isn't that exactly what Psalm 23 tells us? You've probably heard this song. You should remember it and recite it to yourself when things are bleak and things are going wrong. It says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, what a protector we have. How does he protect me? Other ways. He also protects, protect, protects me by keeping me in his word. Because guys, if you stay in God's word, some of the distractions around you will make more sense in light of who God is from his text. Because the word is life giving. That's what it's all about. He also protects me by what? Having a prayer life. I get to pray to God about Him and about my own life, which He already is protecting and overcoming and sustaining and providing. What else? He protects me and His church. How? By allowing us to come and gather like this. Do you know much of the church throughout the world does not get to gather like this? They have to gather underground. And guess what? He protects them as well. But He also does what? protects us from sin how about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit should tell you no don't go and do things be obedient to his word be obedient to his design don't do things that dishonor who God is and his design what does John 3.16 tell us for God what so loved the world that he did what gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have what everlasting life And that's for you and I today So trust in this. That's where your help comes from. So what does all this mean for us? It means we are to understand who we are in light of who God is. And trust that He is our help, our creator, our sustainer, our provider, and our protector. Our help is always there, ever present. But guess what? It's not just like an insurance policy that you pay into and expect to get a return when things go bad. He is always there. There's always help available, no matter how c- catastrophe it might be. Because what would you do? We should seek Christ and seek his design for our lives. And guess what it costs you? A life devoted to the greatest help ever. That's what it costs you. It costs you to go and tell others about the greatest help they need. They don't even know that they need. So who's going to help you? The Lord is, and he's the only one who can. I'm going to finish with this. This is a story I borrowed from Alan Carr. There's a story about a man who wanted to cross a frozen lake. He got on his knees by the edge and tapped on the ice to make sure it was solid. Then he carefully scooted out on his hands and knees and tapped some more where he found it was still solid. So he scooted a little further. Every few feet, he would tap the ice to make sure it's still strong enough to hold him. But hours went by. His face excuse me, his, sorry, his face turned blue, his knuckles turned red. He was almost to the other side. when he heard a rumble behind him. As he looked back, he saw 12 Clydesdale horses pulling a heavy wagon. They made across the lake in a few minutes, leaving the man to think how foolish he had been. So what about us? We were like that foolish man when it comes to trusting in who the Lord is to help us. We take a step and then tap, tap and say, I wonder if I will make it. We take another step and tap, tap and say, I wonder if the Lord knows what kind of mess I'm in. We take another step and tap, tap, tap and say, who is going to get me out of this? We take another step and tap, tap and say, I wonder if the Lord is going to keep working in my life. I know what He did previously, but I wonder if He'll do it today. When all the while, Lord is standing with us as our faithful shadow. And He's saying, Trust me. Don't worry whether the, or not the ice will hold you because I have your hand. I've planned the path you take and I will never let you go. So I urge you today if you've never repented and trusted in Christ and the help that He provides, do it today. And maybe you should need to just be to re- reconnect with Him and understand that you're just missing it sometimes. Maybe you just need to feel His presence. He can sustain you. He can provide you and protect you when you need help. Just call on His name.